4: this January at the Coliseum, we, not me, versus the NFC. And for the first time since 2003, the Rams are NFC West champions.
5: Welcome to Rams Talk Radio. This is Managing Editor Derek Ciapala with little Stevie, Steve Ribeiro. And our guest for the show is Jake and the founder of Downtown Rams. So please make sure you follow Downtown Rams on Facebook and on Twitter at, well, Downtown Rams. I'll start with Jake. Jake, how you doing, man? Thanks, man. Oh, I'm doing very well. Thank you. Uh,
2: another win. So, you know, 7-0 and is great, and I'm happy to be on here with you guys.
1: Steve? I got to say, man, it's, it's a rare day for me because Jake is the youngest person on the podcast, so I am not the baby here. <laughs> I got Jake by like a year, uh, but it's a great day. The Rams won. We got a nice win here. Uh, I know everyone on all of our podcasts have been talking about
5: how we needed a blowout in this game. Hey, we got it, thirty nine ten. By the way, folks, we have mentioned yes, the Rams do win thirty nine ten. And Steve's here, by the way, because Norm it's past his bedtime. Just want to point it out. <laughs> we just want to say that there. Hey, before we started, and give uh, give Jake the floor here. We do want to remind you that we're on Spotify and on TuneIn. We're everywhere: iTunes, Spreaker, SoundCloud. Pretty much, if you can find a podcast, we're there. Also, don't forget we're on ibeatradio.com, They air our shows Wednesdays, Saturdays, and Sundays at ten a.m. Pacific time. Oh, folks, please. For so the love of all that's good and holy, I've been just praying to finally get those five star reviews up to 100. We're at 88 now. 88. If you want me to stop being annoying with this request, please just give those last 12. Once we get to 100, we're giving away $75 gift to, to NFLshop.com. We make it 100, but right now we're a little cheap. So that said, Jake, uh, before we actually get into the show, what do you want our listeners to know about you?
2: Well, um, I'm 23. I love the Rams. I started Downtown Rams about two years ago, and really just, uh, you know, I run the Downtown Rams podcast, and you can find me all over social media, and I'm pretty open, and I'll be in the L.A. area for the Rams-Packers game if you want to meet up. So, Jake Ellenbogen, 23, Rams fan, covers Rams.
5: It's a crying shame. Is uh, is Johnny me back yet, Steve?
1: Johnny will be back
5: on our podcast
1: next week. So I think he he he's back. back. This week. Yeah, I don't think he'll be in time. Well, I'm not going to make him do a podcast this week just because I don't know how much of that no, game he saw no, in we Taiwan. Should have,
5: we should have you want out him out on. No, no, we should have Johnny go out there and you know hook up Jake with a tequila. Uh, that,
1: yeah, Are oh, you sure? Open up that tequila.
5: And you, listen, you haven't lived until you've drank with Johnny. There's a reason why we call him Magic Johnny. <laughs> <laughs> I'm serious. I'm dead serious. So, yeah, uh, folks, uh, if you get a chance, you can find Jake. I'm sure he'll have all kinds. He'll have all kinds of stuff saying "Downtown Rams." He's, I'm sure, he'll be wearing it. Right? You'll be decked out in downtown Rams stuff for the game, right?
2: I'll have a shirt on, maybe. I, I don't know. I, I I pretty much wear my usual apparel. Um, you know, a Rams jersey and uh, you know a Rams hat. I have downtown Rams cards that I'll have. Around, but you
5: know, I have my shirt, maybe a banner. We'll see. I think you should get creative and like paint the downtown Rams logo on your face for the game. (laughs) I'm just just saying, that's if I thought about that for the for the uh for our game out there last year, we would have done it. I'm just saying. So, all right, all the joking aside, uh, before we get knee deep and analyze, we just want your first thoughts, Jake. What were your first thoughts in this game? Uh, 39 10 not a big offensive juggernaut for the game. What did you take from it?
2: Well, you know, I'll tell you, man, I I looked at this game as, you know, if the Rams are at their best on one side of the ball, I don't think anyone in the NFL can beat them. Um, I I look at it, you know, they give up uh, 10 points after they've given up 30 in consecutive, you know, back-to-back games, Vikings and Seahawks. And when I look at, you know, what they were able to do, despite the fact their offense. Look, I, I know they scored 39 guys, but you didn't get the vibe that they were really an offensive explosion in this game. I mean, they they made a couple, you know, big chunk plays here and there, but they kept getting stopped on third down. You know, had to either resulting in a, like a field goal or, um you know, a, a, a punt. But, you know, when I, I looked at this game, I saw, you know, a bunch of things obviously stood out. I think the Rams are making it their mission to give Todd Gurley enough carries to, or at least enough touches in the, um, the red zone to get that record. I, I, maybe I'm wrong, but I do think that they do want him to get that record. I think he might, I mean, he's on a pretty crazy pace, but I I thought that, um, I think that Aaron Donald has been completely unleashed at this point. Um, it's been coming for a while and, you know, I, I don't want to say sacks are overrated, but, you know, I the idea that Aaron Donald hasn't been doing his job is just wrong. I've been seeing that a lot where people are, well, he's, you know, he's not racking up sacks. whatnot. Well, not disagreed with that, but overall, I think the Rams have some monster pieces at really good value on both sides of the ball. I think they have a long-term piece on defense in Corey Littleton. And I think that Robert Woods, and I think, I forget who mentioned it on Twitter, Robert Woods is the best contract in the NFL right now. You couldn't get any more bang for your buck. And that's really going to help the Rams moving forward, especially with all of the you know different pieces that they're going to have to bring back, they're going to have to sign. Um, but this game, this is exactly what they needed. And I'll, I'll give you a shout-out, man, because... Derek, you came on my show and you said, man, the Rams need to blow a team out. They need to get, you know, these guys out. They need a buy. They're not going to get a bye until week 12. But they really need to get their starters out and maybe get some, you know, uh, some backups in there and, you know, get the starters off the field, have them, you know, get their rest. And, well, (laughs) that's just what the doctor ordered. So nice job on your part because, you know, I I definitely agreed with you and and that's exactly what happened. So I guess – you ask and uh, you shall
5: receive. And boy, do we receive, Steve. Your thoughts, man. <laughs> if you, I mean, were you sober when the game started? I guess I want to ask you first.
1: I was coming down. Yeah, you know, at MetLife, they. I was at the Jets Vikings game today, just to get some background on that. I'm not, not an alcoholic over here, but um, <laughs> <laughs> the they stopped serving beer at the start of the third quarter. So, I mean, I got there at twelve. I basically drank for like an hour. And then got to the game, but so I'm good now. Um, I want to comment on Jake's point about sacks here. It definitely doesn't. Sacks never tell the whole story about a player. We know this. Any real rational Rams fan knows this when it talks when it comes to Aaron Donald. But sacks are nice when you have them. You know, when you can point to the box score and say Aaron Donald had four sacks. That's definitely nice to do, and that's now you can just throw that in people's faces who are ignorant about that stat. But Look, we've we've all been saying that this is a team that needed a blowout. You know, we have Aaron Rodgers coming to town next week. Um, We're playing a San Francisco team who's scrappy, who has a a lot of solid players, but a lot of guys injured, too. On paper, this is a game that shouldn't be close between these two teams right now, given what the 49ers roster looks like. And luckily for us, it wasn't. Jake made a good point. it wasn't an offensive tear down of the San Francisco defense. We only had a hundred more yards than them. They they played well as a whole, but it wasn't really like a super explosive performance. Big plays now. Golf only had two hundred yards. Groley only had sixty-three. It wasn't that kind of game. It was just the defense came together. They shut down San Francisco in a game that much more than the offense they needed. They needed this dominating game. They turn they forced a lot of turnovers. Those turned into touchdowns. It was just man it was just a hell of a game. It was a game we needed. And going into this tough stretch of the schedule where we got Green Bay, we have New Orleans, and we have Kansas City, they needed kind of this regrouping performance, just reset everything after two really close games, end a road trip with just a dominating performance of a team that were better than and in the division. So it's got to feel great for these guys, man. And it's I know I don't think any of us expected to lose this game, but I know we all had a little bit of concern. In the back of our minds, this could be a trap game. And they didn't fall for the trap, so I'm proud of them.
5: Well, after that game against Green Bay, I was in the back of my mind thinking, oh, geez, oh, Lord, come on. No, no, let's not do this. Let's not do this. And uh, I, I was, you know, Jake kind of stole my thunder because I was going to mention that the whole blowout thing. He and <laughs> mentioned it before me. But, yeah, I was, I, I've been preaching that all weekend. I I wanted that blowout. I wanted that bat. I wanted Todd Gurley out of the game. I wanted I wanted these guys a chance to breathe because we've had a couple close games here, and all of a sudden now the gauntlet's coming. The gauntlet with the Packers. Is, you met, you forgot the Seahawks? There's there, Steve. Yeah, I left so, them out kind of on purpose. But for being the worst <laughs> team in a four game stretch, that's that's it's, not an easy game at all. It's true. They, it's they true. gave us a hell of a game a couple weeks ago. So I mean, but I just look at that and go, it was needed. Uh, By the way, I don't think you guys realize it now. Aaron Donald leads the league in sacks. Wow. Really? Excuse me? Yes. Yes. He leads the league with eight sacks now. With that four-sack performance, he now leads the league with eight sacks. He's half a sack ahead of Hunter and Von Miller. So, yes. So, for those of you who are complaining about Aaron Donald in his performance, well... Maybe, maybe, maybe you could. Well, never mind. I'll, I'll not. I'm, I'll keep this show rated PG. Okay. So before we move on, folks, <laughs> most of us are practically addicted to anything Los Angeles Rams. But if you want to learn more about the Rams' history with a bit of personal touch, check out Jim Hawks' Hall of His Teen, Great Glamour in the 1950s Los Angeles Rams." The book tells the story of the 1950s Rams through the lens of Jim's dad, John who was an offensive lineman for the team from 1953 to 1957. Check out his son's story of his father and the team he played for in an era of glitz, glamour, and future Hall of Famers. Read about players like Norm Van Brocklin, Elroy, Crazy Leaks Hirsch, Tom Fears, and Les Richter in the story spanning the 1950s Los Angeles Rams. You can find Hawk's book online at Hollywoodsteam.com and on Twitter at Hollywoodsteam. It's also available in hardback and electronic form at Amazon and Barnes & Noble. And I believe last time I talked to him, he told me it was coming out in paperback soon. So... If you're looking for a good read, check it out. Hollywood's Team Grit Glamour in the 1950s Los Angeles Rams by Jim Hawk. It's well worth your time. Okay, guys, here we go. Well, one thing. Steve, you ready for the stats? Yeah, I'm ready. All right. You want them now? Steve, let's go for it. Stats.
1: Let's have it. It was you know, it was a tighter game stat-wise than you think. The Rams had 331 total yards. The 49ers had 228 61 to 58 play difference the rams won that they won the time of possession by five minutes the 49ers had 121 yards through the air and 107 on the ground the rams had 185 through the air 146 on the ground rams had seven sacks total on the day the uh 49ers had two which is fine two four turnovers for the 49ers that that was what turned this game from a close game to a blowout Uh, If they had none, I don't think they would have won, but that's what kind of turned the tide. Two fumbles lost, two interceptions thrown. On the individual side, Jared Goff, we had 202 yards in this game, two touchdowns, uh, 18 for 24. So a solid outing from him. They didn't need him to go out and set the world on fire. He came out. He played well. He was consistent. No turnovers. Todd Gurley, 15 carries, 63 yards, two touchdowns. He also added four receptions for 23 yards and a touchdown. Three on the day putting him at 14 for the year. That's tied for the most Priest homes in the Super Bowl era. Malcolm Brown actually led the team in rushing with 65 yards, but 30 of those came on the last two drives with Sean Mannion in the game. Sean Mannion went zero for zero. The coaching staff not even confident enough to let him throw a pass, but uh, we're (laughs) going to save that debate for a – you know I can't can't get out of here if he's on the field without throwing some shade. Uh, Other receivers here. Robert Woods led the way, five receptions for 78 yards. Jake mentioned his contract. Um, in terms of non rookie contracts, I, I think I agree that that's definitely one of the biggest bargains in the NFL right now. Brandon Cooks, four receptions for 65 yards and a touchdown. Uh, the other guys that we expected to kind of step up and do something, they didn't really. Josh Reynolds, one reception for 19 yards. Nick Williams had two receptions for 17 yards. And. Gerald Everett had one reception for negative five yards. And Corey Littleton had a hell of a day here. Probably my player of the game. Led the team in tackles with ten, two sacks, and he had the block punt there, two QB hits. Aaron Donald, just a monster game. Nine total tackles, eight solo, four sacks, six tackles for loss, five QB hits. I mean, just an absolutely dominating performance from him. The two interceptions came from John Johnson, who – has his third of the year, second straight game of the interception, and Troy Hill, a, a nice little Troy Hill interception signing, which is nice to see. Is there any stats, any other stats you want to hear, Derek? You want the forty ers individuals?
5: Uh, well, you know, just because we want to be somewhat fair, uh, no, never mind. Um, DJ <laughs> <laughs>
1: Bethard, fifteen for twenty seven with one hundred seventy yards, one touchdown, two interceptions, two interceptions and sacked seven times. Throw that out there. That was a. Going against this Rams defense for how talented they are, that's that's what we want to see from C.J. Beathard in this matchup.
5: So, guys, what do the stats really tell you about this game, Jake?
2: So, I actually, um, I look at these stats and I just, I, well, one thing that tells you the whole story in the receiving game, George Kittle was a one-man wrecking crew. Everyone else was ineffective. Um, I did say, by the way, uh, going back, Derek, uh, I did say to watch out for randomly to watch out for Raheem Mostert because I, this guy, I just he had Rams like Kerwin Williams all over him where like for whatever reason he gets going and they'll they'll stuff Alfred Morris and they'll, they'll stuff Matt Breida. And sure enough, I mean, Breida runs for, you know, five carries, 15 yards. Alfred Morris averages not even three yards a carry. I mean, the Rams kind of took away the run game early on. But it just—it seemed as though, you know, Mostert actually had, like, I I won't say he had his way with the Rams, but it just seemed like he was the one that had just the the extra step that the other guys didn't. Um, On the Rams side of the ball, the stat that I, I don't think really tells the story is Todd Gurley 63 yards rushing on 15 carries. Because I know he has two touchdowns. That's a four point two yards per carry average. He's you know chunk run after chunk run. There there were you know a few instances where they ran it third and one, and he would get stuffed. You know, broken play, whatever. I feel like he kind of had he, he had a game where you know if you were just say you guys just walk into you know a sports bar or grill or whatever. And you just see you see this guy constantly just breaking off first down after first down. You wouldn't expect him at the end of the game to have 63 yards rushing. Now, he added 23 yards as a receiver. But it just... I don't know if it really tells the full story. I mean, Malcolm Brown ended up rushing him. Did Malcolm Brown look like he had more yards than Todd Gurley? <laughs> no. It's pretty crazy, honestly. That, that, that's like a conundrum. Like, I mean... Did you see Malcolm Brown
5: rush for more yards than Todd Gurley? No, but also don't forget, don't forget there was a there was a drive in the second quarter there where they basically gave Todd Gurley a break, and this league, and Malcolm Brown did did well on that drive as well. So I mean I I, I, what I like what they did with him was they did a great job of trying to keep him fresh today. That's what it really came down to with Todd Gurley, and when he was when he was in there, he was highly effective.
2: I agree. And I think um, with with Jared Goff, biggest thing with Jared Goff, zero interceptions. And I'll, I'll say this now. Jared Goff has done a great job over the course of his career, if we're not really factoring in his rookie year, of, I guess, keeping the ball away from the other team. And, I mean, two touchdowns, zero interceptions. He didn't have a, you know, wow type of performance but, I mean, this is a two-touchdown performance, zero interceptions, zero fumbles, although there was there was one bad snap. I wouldn't really call that a fumble on him. I will say I was really worried about his leg because I don't know if you guys saw in the fumble, when he picked it back up, his knee buckled. And he looked a little, get, like, I don't know, he was, like, limping a little bit. So I was worried, you know, that was going to happen and, Sure enough, the defense made so many crazy plays, I forgot about it halfway through the game.
0: <laughs> there
1: is one thing that Jake mentioned earlier really that I do want to get back here before we get too far off of it, and that's George Kittle, who was the one thing that really stood out on the 49ers side of the ball. Obviously, Kittle looked great. He had what nine, 98 yards and a touchdown on five five receptions, eight targets. The tight end going against the Rams was obviously a huge concern for us after... Week one when Jared Cook burned us for 180 yards. And it's not something that we've had to worry about for a while. The best tight end we played in between that was Kyle Rudolph, who more than anything is just a guy who catches in the red zone. He even hit, he even he had some big plays against us. But this is something that I'm still concerned about. And when we go up against good tight ends, I'm not totally sure we have the answer. Kittles did, did his job today jared cook obviously dominated us in that opening week next week we got jimmy graham we have kelsey down the line we have a uh, trey burton and zach ertz much down the line and that's just something i hope that we can get figured out when we go against these you know upper tier tight ends that we can figure out how to stop them with the guys we have now obviously and luckily for us there's not that many good tight ends anymore so we might even go through the whole playoffs without having to play one of these guys but you know, ertz is on philly if they can get it together and get to the playoffs. Jimmy Graham is not who he was, but he's on a team that prob- we'll probably see in the playoffs. Trey Burton's pretty talented. So I just want to make sure you mention that. And you also mentioned Todd Gurley, who almost every week, except last week with his 200-yard 200 perform- 200 performance, it seems like he just quietly puts up these 100-yards multi-touchdown performances. And he, obviously, he didn't put up the yardage today. It was his first game without 100 total yards, I think, in a while. I haven't looked into that. But the three touchdowns that, as I mentioned, puts him at the most all-time in the Super Bowl era, tied with Priest Holmes, he's on pace for 32 touchdowns right now. That would break the record of Ladanian Thomas in 06, who had 31, and crazy enough, he's not even up there. LT actually had 28 touchdowns in 10 games, which is just mind-boggling. But the pace Gurley's playing at, he's going to get close to or beat that record. And there's no reason to think that none of this is sustainable because every touchdown Todd Gurley has scored this year has come in the red zone. The Rams are constantly in the red zone. And when they're in the red zone, he's the guy that gets the ball. You know, I, They throw it occasionally behind receiving touches in the red zone, but all 14 of his touchdowns have come in the red zone. And right now there's no reason to believe that the Rams aren't going to be in the red zone constantly, no matter who they're playing.
5: Well, I, I look at it this way too is the first part of the schedule of the Rams – it's, it's been the lighter part of the schedule. So if there's anything that's going to stop them from getting, you know, stop girls from getting that 32, it's going to be the fact that they're heading towards the gauntlet. They're not going to, they probably, I won't say not, but probably not going to score like they've been scoring. They're going to be in some tougher games. And it's hard to say that he'll be able to keep up that, keep up that pace. It's hard to do. I mean, you've already mentioned that that four-team layout ahead of us is, is those are four solid defenses. And I also share your concern as well. In, in the stat sheet, you can go back over and over again, back in film, the first few weeks of the season, the Rams struggled with tight ends. They do. And the one big solution, the Raiders game going way back, it seems like a, a year ago now, but Akib Tlaib was switched over on the Cook. And that was it for Cook. Well, Tlaib's not there now. So I don't know what to think about how they're going to shift over, but I also got to think they've shown enough today in that defense across the board, they'll figure it out. So, oh, and the stats also tell me about this game, was that the Rams, in the end, there was never a need for them to get overly aggressive. I don't think they showed a whole lot for opposing teams to look at film today. I don't think anybody's going to look at their film and go, I figured this out and figured this out and figured this out. And as for what the stats don't show me, I think the stats, even at 228, and seven sacks, don't even tell, don't even show how dominant that Rams defense really was. I don't know why. The 49ers felt the inherent need to run the ball when they were down by 15, 20 points, and that's how they get their 107 <laughs> points. I, I I don't get that. So there yeah. you
1: go. When it comes to film here, I mean, if I'm a team looking to study the Rams, this is not the game I look at. I mean, it was a game where the 49ers made mistakes, the Rams didn't, and they just plotted and made Good play after good play. Not a not a huge amount of great plays offensively here, but it was just solid play, solid play. Then next thing you know, we're in the end zone scoring. So it was just a game where the 49ers gave up the ball and we took advantage. And if I'm an opposing team, I'm looking more at the the Denver and the Seattle games to see, you know, what can we and really do against this team. And yeah, of course, yeah. that hey Jake, they kind of torched us.
5: Um, looking back now at this game, Rams dominating 39-10, 49ers have plenty of injuries. They're missing much of the secondary. The Rams, as we've mentioned numerous times don't do anything special offensively. So what can we take from this game besides the fact the Rams' defense played freaking great? Well, remember when I mentioned
2: reinforcements? And uh, to you and Norm, well, I'll tell you right now. You know, the Rams are playing this well without Cooper Cup and Keep Talib, and, you know, I, I know they wanted some production out of somebody like Kevin Peterson I know they, they had plans for him and Mo Fox and all those guys they're going to be getting some of those guys back now my question for you guys is Farrell Cooper going to be coming back because Jojo Natson has done nothing to lose his job absolutely nothing and you know if it comes down to you know the, the tough decision you know whether or not you say that IR Okoronkwo they get, you know, and then they designate him. Now, now you have a tough decision. I mean, Keep Talib is going to be one of the guys. You can only designate two guys to return off IR. Who's going to be the other guy? And Rams have a lot of guys on IR right now, so I can't guarantee that Farrell Cooper will be back. But we'll see. I, I'm, you know, I wonder with you guys, like, what do you guys think about that? That's one of the things that came up.
1: Yeah, I think it will depend on how confident they are in Oco. I mean, if, they feel that he can come in and produce. And you know, I, I think they are confident in JoJo Natson. So I don't if – they, if they feel like they need Oko to come back and be a guy that can actually come in and contribute to this defense at a position of need that we could use help at, then, yeah, I think that Farrell Cooper might just be a, a victim of numbers here because there's no need to bench JoJo Natson. I think that Farrell Cooper was good enough to where if he does come back – they might he might get in as pump returner and they'll leave Natsen at kick returner. I can't see them cutting Natson right now just because of how much of a weapon he's been. So it, it will be interesting, and I think more on Faro Cooper. It depends on how much they like Oco Ronco. and I'm not I'm not sure how confident they are in him that he'll be able to produce. But I think, like you said, to leave is definitely going to be one of those two. And I think if they feel like they need Oko, then Faro Cooper is probably just going to be a, a victim of numbers here because. They have no need to replace Natsen right now. He's been fantastic.
5: I'm going to go hot take here, guys. I, I don't know that it's a given that Tlaib comes back this year. Okay. All right. And I'll say this, and I'll say this is why. Because the injury he had, that ankle, you're counting on him to come back and be as effective as the guys you already have. Why would you use an IR slot to bring back a guy if he's not able to be as effective as the guys you have? And, you know, at 32 years old, as a guy who is, um, going to have, has not put on the pads in weeks. And as far as we know, Oko is healthy now. Okay. And, um, Last I checked, the Rams have a certain Nick Williams (laughs) as a receiver who's active. They could probably use Farrell Cooper in there right now. So I don't think it's a given at all that this is what we see. I think it's going to be one of those things where you have to look at where Tlaib is in his progress, how he's able to move, and make that call. I I just don't think it's 100% given. It's likely, by the way. I'm not saying it's not happening. But I don't think that's 100% a given that Talib is back this year. That kind of leg injury on a 32-year-old, it's just, I mean, he could come back. You could come back. But why bring him back if he's not able to be as effective as the guys you already have? So there's my hot take. Um, please don't accuse me of smoking crack. I'm just thinking logical here. <laughs> I don't think it's that
1: hot, but um, I definitely would rather save that spot for Talib just because I'm way more confident that a 32 year old Tlaib can come back from this injury and be more productive than Pharaoh Cooper as a receiver, who has, yeah, as great as he's been in the return game, has not shown me any reason to believe he's going to be a good receiver. And Okaranko, who's never played, I, I'd rather trust the vet here, even though I think it really depends on the severity of this injury, which, you no, know, we know he's on the IR. We don't really know if when that eight weeks is up, if he's going to be close to ready or ready. And I think you, you do make a fair point. He's, he's getting up there in age. If he can't come back a hundred percent, it might be worth it. Just bring those two guys back. But even if he's not back until week 15, but will be back to full health. I don't care if he's slightly lost a step. I think I still feel better about to leave than the guys that we're replacing him with who have improved. Troy Hill has, I think he's gotten better every game we've seen him this year and Sam shields has been fine, but Talib's really good, and if he rehabs and it goes well and he looks like he can move like he did at the start of the season or even just very close to it, I'd feel much better about him, or I'd be much more confident that he'd be a guy who's going to make an impact in the playoff run than um, Akronkwa or Cooper Wood. but I think the difference between a healthy Talib and Troy Hill is a lot bigger than a healthy Farrell Cooper and Jojo Natson.
2: Yeah, you know, I have two parts on this. I think one, I think the Rams factored in the time it would take for him to return to be fully healthy into his timetable. When Sean McVay says he's going to be ready likely around the end of the year, that to me is telling me he might be ready week nine, but we're not going to rush him until he's fully healthy. So we're going to push this probably 13, week 14. This is about the playoffs. This is about, like I mentioned on the, the last week's show, or, or earlier in the week's show, um, this is about like a Sidney Jones, a Ronald Darby for the Eagles last year. I mean, he is he's coming back, I think, 100%, and it's, again, the reinforcement factor for the playoffs. This is a team that is going to the playoffs. Um, I mean, the wheels could completely fall off, and... I mean, if they lost out, they would even still have a shot. But they're seven and zero, so let, let's be real here—they're not losing out. Um, one, two—I wouldn't put it past them to trade for a Broncos cornerback. Because I'll say this right now: Rams have never been shy of trading away picks. They've gone, they've done it since Les Snead's been there. They traded for Mark Barron, who ended up being on the roster for quite a while. He's still there. Um, at the trade deadline they they traded him a fourth and a sixth round pick for Mark Barron. You know, they they've made uh they made the move for Sammy Watkins, they made the move for um you know uh Brandon Cooks. Uh, they traded for Nick Foles. I mean, Lesney is not afraid to trade just like the Eagles GM Howie Roseman is afraid to trade. And I keep hearing that this is going to be the busiest trade deadline in recent memory and I just saw recently Bradley Roby's on the block. Well, why would Bradley Roby be on the block when you have a Chris Harris Jr. that's older and his contract is more dwindling? I think the Rams could end up trading for a Broncos cornerback, whether it's Chris Harris Jr. or whether it's Bradley Roby. And that would only add to what they have. And that might be a little ridiculous at first, but that's, that's relying on A. Akeem Tlaib is a one-year guy because we don't we don't really know the Rams' plan. We just know that they wanted to keep for this year. Um, I mean, I had Benjamin Albrey on my show, and he flat out told me he's like, I don't think Akeem Tlaib was a multi-year guy. I think they wanted him for one year as a placeholder. So that's interesting. That's one thing. So maybe Bradley Roby or Chris Harris Jr. Two. Going back to Derek's point, what if I'm wrong? What if Akeem what Tlaib doesn't come back? Then I think they definitely make a move. Um, but, but what do you guys think? Because I, one, I think Akeem Tlaib is coming back. But two, I also think that even if he comes back, or if he doesn't come back, I still think they're in the market for one of the Denver corners. And it's not even about having another corner. It's about the familiarity within the system, be able to plug a guy in to a system that they probably already know, Joe Woods comes from Wade Phillips' um, coaching tree. So Joe Woods was promoted to defensive coordinator after Wade Phillips left. Joe Woods runs the same type of defense. So I wonder if that's the route they go. But what do you guys think?
5: Well, a couple of things. And we, we might be at the wrong tree overall. Uncle Rock was on the POP list. He's not on the IR. So he's on the reserve, physically unable to perform list. And that's the one where you ah,
1: practice. So that, don't that one practice. at the destination.
5: Well, that's if he goes on IR is what I meant. So he's not on IR. And so I don't, I mean, they don't need an IR guy for that. So that leaves your IR right now at Cooper, Easley, Morgan Fox is not coming back this year. Peterson's not coming back this year.
1: Easily ain't coming back either. There's no way. Um,
5: Aqib Talib, Mike Thomas, and Kendall Thomas. Thomas, you could have an argument there.
1: Yeah, eh. um, but you can eh. you can say his. I'm his out contrib- on Mike Thomas. I want to shut that down right now. Well, <laughs> yeah, you,
5: you could say his contribution is even less than what Farrell Cooper's was though. So, it, to me, it's it's Cooper easily and leave. So I don't. I'm, I'm, we might be having a debate for no reason here. You know, in terms of where is easily fit, I'm not even sure you want to even risk that right now. To, to me, Tlaib is I... in terms of the, the Denver cornerback thing. I'm not so sure the Rams want to start messing with. Um, want to mess with what's it going to take to trade for him? Probably a draft pick. I don't see them trade unless you have a player in mind. Do You have a player in mind you want to send to Denver, Jake. Well, how I look at a trade like this, this is to add on. So if you're,
2: say, you love all your pieces, you're seven and zero. You're looking at you know the minor things that you can improve on. You, you look at the recipe again. I, I'm sorry to keep bringing up the Eagles because I know they're three and four now, but. You keep looking at the recipe Howie Roseman kind of put in place, and you think, how can I get better? It's not, are we good enough right now? It's, why can I not, what's stopping me from going out there and trading a fourth rounder for a Bradley Roby? I mean, really, if it's just one year or if it's long-term, now look, I have Bradley Roby next to Marcus Peters if I deem that, you know, to Talib isn't worth keeping around for next year with that money, or even better, say I deem that Akeem Dalib's not worthy. I can't get a deal done with Marcus Peters. And now I'm really in trouble because I need a corner. And thank God I made that trade for Bradley Roby. So I look at it like Roby makes a lot of sense. Chris Harris Jr. Makes a lot of sense. You don't go out and trade for a Patrick Peterson. You go out and trade for somebody that's probably going to make more sense as far as the familiarity within the scheme, be able to add something at the end of the day. And I think honestly, you can make the same argument for Shane Ray, You can make the same argument for a Shaquille Barrett. Um, I mean, I I don't think Denver should get really high on themselves after blowing out Arizona. We saw what Arizona is. Arizona's going to take a little bit. I think they're going to be good, but it's going to take a little bit. They completely changed everything. They got rid of James Betcher. Steve Wilkes is the guy, so they have a defensive-minded coach. They draft a rookie quarterback that desperately needs an offensive mind. I know they just put um, – what's his face? Not David Gerard, but the other Jacksonville quarterback, former Byron guy, Lefwich. Uh, Byron Lefwich. Um, they put him in charge as, of the offensive coordinator after firing Mike McCoy. So that's an interesting piece. I don't think that that game should tell you that Denver's back by any means. Uh, the, I saw – I think it was Jay Glazer that reported it. I saw that the, a lot of teams around the league were hoping that Denver lost that game because then somebody like Bradley Roby is available. Without a doubt. So I still think, you know, one of those guys, you look at this team, how many you know weaknesses do they have? Not many. But if they want to go and they want to sure up a spot, I mean, I wouldn't put it past them, guys. This was a team that was about to trade for Khalil Mack at one point. They wanted to do it. They wanted to trade him, trade for him this year, and then sign and trade him. So they keep Donald and... Mac for a year and then they sign and trade him away and so they basically they win their Super Bowl and then off goes Mac. Because they can't keep him because of the money. I mean, if that's if that was your
5: mindset, I wouldn't put this away at all. And that's kind of my thinking. But is Bradley Bradley a fit for the Rams defense? And mind you, I'm a guy who knows Ohio State <laughs> defensive backs. I know what he does, and I can tell you he's well, from Frank, he's been overrated his entire career. He was overrated at Ohio State, and he was overrated when the, when the Broncos took him. He's a number two at best. He'll never be a number one. He's number two at best. I'm just, I'm just and I, being I, honest about him. This is a guy I've, I watched his entire career, and this is a guy who who I saw him coming as a freshman with the Buckeyes, all the way, go, all the way through, and. To me, he kept getting praise over and over and over as that guy, and I never saw it in the field.
2: And I totally hear you. I would be trading a fifth at most for, uh, for uh, Roby Bradley Roby. Um, I almost said Nickel or Ruby Coleman. We already have him. But, you know, I, I just – I look at the idea, you know, he's interchangeable, can play as a slot corner, can play on the outside. He's physical. He's got ball skills. I like him. I would personally – as a Kansas Jayhawk fan myself, I would love to have Chris Harris Jr. in the building. Um, I think Chris Harris Jr. is an absolute game changer. I mean, if you grab him, that's the best, that's the best cornerback group you can find in the league if Tlaib comes back. So you're telling me you now have Peters, Tlaib, Harris, and Nickel Coleman, and then all of a sudden, Troy Hill's your fifth guy, Sam Shields is your fifth guy, and Troy Hill's your sixth guy or whatever. I mean, that's impressive. So I guess really where I'm going with this is, I mean, maybe Chris Harris Jr. is a cheaper option, like not as far as the money, but maybe because, the you know, his age, the money, the pick is less. So I think the Rams really should consider doing something like that because, again, 7-0, and but you, there's always a way to improve. And this is the last chance, I believe – isn't the trade deadline like this week or, or next week? I mean, it, it's coming up. And I think that – I wouldn't say they'd be stupid not to upgrade, but if you want a depth piece or some something like that, all the power to you. And I think you look at a Denver team that thought they were going to be a lot better than they look, you're hoping that a team like that completely decides to sell and they become open for business because, quite honestly, I do think Denver can compete. I think they'd be blowing up the team too early. But that's exactly what I expect them to do, and that's why I would definitely, um, you know, keep my eye on on Chris Harris Jr., Bradley Roby, uh, you know, Shack Barrett, and uh, and Shane Ray. Everyone else, I, I think they are pretty good with. And I don't think the Rams would trade for an interior defensive lineman, but if they were to do that, um, Derek Wolfe. But again, I think defensive back, and I think like an edge guy would make sense. And it would have to come from Denver due to that familiarity. That's my take, Steve. I th-
1: yeah, I think uh, if they were to trade for a cornerback, then I don't think Talib's coming back. I think that would be the only reason they'd be pressed to do that move. Just because I think they're fine with Hill and Shields at the moment. I don't think they'd trade a future asset unless, like uh, you know, you mentioned a fifth round pick for Bradley Roby. I don't think the Denver would be in full teardown mode enough to trade um, that good of a pick next week. The trade deadline is October 30th. So you make a good point about the Arizona game. Had they have lost that game they'd probably look in a different direction but they never have struck me as a team that would just kind of got the roster for picks and go into like a little mini tank. They just, it doesn't seem like that kind of organization. I do think if they make a deal it would be for an outside linebacker because that's still a position that's thin. Um, You know, Ibukam's been fine but if oh, is not going to come back and light the world on fire. That's clearly the weak link on the defense. And it should be mentioned that they did move around some cap space um, this summer around when the Aaron Donald signing happened that was unrelated to Aaron Donald. So they have some money to play with there if they need to bring in a guy that could cost a little money. And I do want to say you mentioned um, you know the long-term implications of the cornerbacks. I think Peters is here at least through 2020. He's under contract for next year. If they don't have a deal worked out, probably getting tagged. I would say he'd probably be the guy that gets franchise tagged. Aaron do- or Jared Goff's going to be the, get his fifth-year designation, so they won't have to worry about him, and he's probably getting locked up long-term that year anyways. I do think they get a deal done with him long-term. And with Talib, they have the flexibility to just not cut him next year and play out his last year's contract. I think given his age and his health, he's likely to get restructured. I think he is here for another t- year. Maybe we take a new cornerback in the draft, kind of just groom him to take that spot because, you know, obviously, even if Talib is here next year, he's not the long-term answer. Just his age, he doesn't work with the timetable of this team after the window we have right now. But, yeah, I, do, I don't I do think that they would trade much future assets for a cornerback right now unless they know something that we don't know yet about Talib.
5: All right, so... Moving ahead here, because wow, we, we we can talk a lot with Jake on the call, man. <laughs> All right, so Rook, let's try and keep these short because we're we're getting later here on time. Um, overall, uh, Jake, what did of defense's performance, and who was your star of the game? Well,
2: I'm gonna have a co-star. I'm gonna cheat here. It's Aaron Donald slash Corey Littleton. Um, I thought that they were both phenomenal. Um, I mean, anytime. I mean, they they combined for what ten quarterback pressures ten, 10 quarterback hits now seven but close enough nine tackles for a loss six sacks uh i mean 19 tackles and that's just me talking from a box score perspective when you watch them on the field and I, i've been saying this guy littleton could play uh, you know as an edge rusher i mean he easily could he was used as an edge guy uh at washington so he, I, I kind of see a lot of Clay Matthews in him when that when Green Bay moved Matthews to to middle linebacker, and his ability to rush the passer and and just watch him fly over the offensive line. Like I was really impressed with this play. But guys, I also want to throw something out there. Key, um, not keep to loop Marcus Peters. How many times was his name called?
5: Um, no, I I think right? in the game day introductions. Actually, I, mean, on the CBS <laughs> I forgot broadcast. he
2: was playing I, I honestly had to look it up if he was playing or not what does that tell you i mean the we nandy Asimwa awesome recipe yeah we were talking about this before the game uh you know earlier in the week like somebody like marquise goodwin is good enough to go off he had two touchdowns uh over a hundred something yards against green bay and everyone was like pick him up in your fantasy leagues he's gonna go off against this rams shoddy secondary well Guys, I don't know about you, but two catches for 24 yards in garbage time doesn't sound like going off to me. No, it's In the game where you're getting blown out, you'd think they'd be passing. They were trying to pass. Uh, all that they could find was George Kittle, who, honestly, the Rams, I will say this right now, I haven't looked at the film yet. It's not out yet. Um, the defense performance was spectacular, I thought. But the one thing I'm going to say is that George Kittle, as talented as he is, fifth round pick, wanted the Rams to get him. Love George Kittle. It's been on my show. But the Rams gave George Kittle that game. They they let him get open. They were like, all right, you can you can have all the yards you want with Kittle. They shut down Goodwin. They shut down Garcon. You forgot Garcon was even playing. He had five he had five yards on a catch. That's the guy people wanted to sign over Robert Woods. I mean, all these guys, Kendrick Bourne, he had a target. He He's looked good this year. Alfred Morris, a target in the passing game. I mean, Raheem Mostert had four catches that didn't even go for five yards average. Kyle Joschik, who, for whatever reason, I mean, they, they use that fullback all the time. Two catches for 18 yards. Trent Taylor, the very... Impressive slot guy, one catch for six yards. So, how I looked at this defensive performance is they really put it out there. You can have, you know, you can go off with Kittle, but once you start, you know, constantly making that your mission, we're going to read you. And, and, you know, Josh uh, John Johnson gets interception on a Kittle target, um, you know, that. I think really what it it comes down to is C.J. Beathard ironically barely looked at Kittle in uh, the Monday Night Football game, although he was like 75% healthy. And this game, he's staring him down. There was one, I I don't know if you guys saw, there was one play where Trent Taylor was wide open down the sideline, wide open. Like he blew by, I I think it was uh, Nickel. blows by Nickel, and C.J. Beathard's not even looking anywhere near him. He's looking right at George Kittle. Now, if you guys don't know, they both played at Iowa. And sorry, C.J. Beathard, I'm about to crap on your life. But C.J. Beathard's one of the reasons that George Kittle fell in the fifth round. Let's be real here. Underthrew him a lot. You know, kind of, I guess, suppressed his tape. But that doesn't mean that they don't have chemistry, and that doesn't mean that they're not close. So this this goes back to Iowa. So you could definitely see when C.J. Beathard was not in a rhythm like he was on Monday Night Football, when the Rams gave him hell in the pocket, he was eyeing down, like zoning in on George Kittle. And eventually, the Rams put Littleton on him. They had John Johnson following him. And as the game went on, they kind of put that mental, uh, I I guess a little spell in his head where he's like, all right, 98 yards to George Kittle today. They're just, you know, letting me have what I want. And then all of a sudden they start covering Kittle. But that that whole, the comfort level of C.J. Beathard constantly going to Kittle, funneling over to Kittle, they, he was still doing it when he was covered. And that led to an interception. And then he would wait to try to throw him open. And that led to uh, six sacks on the day. I mean, guys, th- this defense performance was big time. I don't know what these guys are going to get for pro football focus. Frankly, I don't really care. I know what I saw, and I saw a really good game plan by Wade Phillips. People have been saying he hasn't blitzed enough. His blitzes, like they seem to just come at the perfect moment. I think there was one where they didn't get through. It was an impressive game called, executed, played, whatever you want to call it. Just a great performance by the defense. And this is what I was saying earlier. If the Rams play like this on one side of the, the football, whether it's on offense or it's on defense, bottom line is I don't think a team's going to stop them if they're playing this well on either side of the football.
5: All right. I'm before glad you see the free jump. In, really, let's let get this out of the way here real quick, folks. I want to give a shout-out to our sponsor over at Gold Ram Barbershop. If you're looking to get support, one of your own in Orange County and let the old-school barbershop experience, check out the Gold Ram Barbershop, 13755 Golden West Street in Westminster, California, 92683. Sal Martinez is the man. This guy has been there with us from the get-go, supporting us all the way through. He opened up a shop as a shrine to the Rams on the day their team left for St. Louis, and he's got the lights on ever since. He's by appointment only, so give him a call at seven one four eight nine four 94 rams or 7267. Use a promo code rams so he knows we sent you. And can get a discount on an already affordable haircut. The Golden Ram Barbershop is open Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. And, and Saturday, 7 a.m. to 4 p.m. One more time, give Sal a call at 714-894-7267. His shop. It's, it's well worth the visit. It's basically a Hall of Fame for the Rams. Okay? He even made me look decent. And he made Johnny into Magic Johnny. Give him a call. All right, Steve. Who, what do you think of defensive performance, and who's your star of the game? Yeah, I, I'm glad
1: Jake brought up Marcus Peters because this we kind of got back the Marcus Peters that we had before his injury in the same game we lost to Tlaib. Took him a little bit to get back his mojo, but like Jake said, the amount of times we didn't hear his name called, that, that says all you need to know. He took Marcus going out of the game. He had two catches at the end of the game. Aaron Donald, look, any educated Rams fan knows he basically does this every game. This was just his loudest game of the year. Yeah, you know, he's up in the trenches wreaking havoc every game. He doesn't always get the sacks. And it's nice to point to the box score here and say, yeah, he's got four sacks. That, that's why he got paid the big bucks. He's earned the big bucks already. He's well worth every penny we paid him. But it is nice to see a loud game like this. But Corey Littleton's my MVP, man. He... I feel like every game he's gotten better. Now, I wrote an article on our website, you can check it out, where I took a look at how the cap is going to look for the next couple of years. Corey Littleton's thrown a little bit of a wrench in that article because you know, at the start of the season, I thought he'd go out there, he'd be a starter, he might lose a starting job to Mike Kaiser by the end of the year, and he'd probably go on his merry way. But he's a guy that we're probably going to try and lock up on an affordable deal long-term, and we might not be able to, reach an agreement on an affordable deal and he might go get paid somewhere else. So he, he's a guy to watch this off season, but that punt block was awesome. Uh, he had two sacks here. He just led the team in tackles. He's been a guy that's really coming into his own this season. And it's been awesome to see his growth really into becoming our team's best linebacker right now. And somebody that out a position and need, he's a guy that it was nice to see step up and overall on the defense as a whole. Um, you know, Jake, went in depth about Kittle there. That worries me a little just because of the history we've had with guarding tight ends. And I think that's something Aaron Rodgers or Pat Mahomes down the line might expose in our defense. But I mean other than that, this is about as good of a performance you could ask for. Four turnovers, you know, not letting this team really get anything going at any point in the game. It was a game we needed. The defense is back in the mojo that we saw them in early in the year. And hopefully, during this tough four-game stretch we're gonna have, about to have against you know, four really good quarterbacks, I think we're in good shape to ride it out and hopefully win most, if not all, of those games.
5: All right, for me, my views on this, on this defensive performance, I, I'm thrilled with it. And before anybody poo it and said, well, this is the 49ers, this 49 ers team just gave the Packers and their rebuilt secondary all it could handle on the road. It wasn't the road, right? It was it on the road? Yeah, I think it was in Green Bay. Okay, so... I can double check. Even if it wasn't, it doesn't matter. They, they they gave Green Bay all the handle, okay? So, take it, take it forward a few days, and here you see this Rams defense completely embarrass them. So, I'm pretty stoked about how the defense showed it. It was, it was their most complete game. Everybody was there. They are flowing the ball. I do want to see my star, my star of the game. Uh, I... It is Corey Littleton. It's not even close to me. (laughs) He was all over the place. But I want to throw a name out there that, you know, deserves it because I've I've hated on him quite a bit. I've been unhappy with him, and that's Troy Hill. Troy Hill showed up today. And uh, beautiful interception, um, solid in the coverage game. You know, with with Marcus Pierce doing his job on the the one sideline, Hill did his job on the other, and they shut down everything the 49ers receivers had to offer so I do want to throw a shout out to Troy Hill and um, be pretty stinking pleased that the defense did what it did so all those things guys how confident are you about next week's big game against the Packers
1: it's hard not to be confident yeah Aaron Rodgers is Aaron Rodgers I there's there's always a chance that he goes out there and beats us by himself but you know we're seven and zero. We we're in good shape. I I think we're gonna be fine in this game in Green or back in L.A. Finally after a long home stretch. I I don't think we're gonna make it out of this stretch here eleven and zero. But I'm not really worried about this game against Green Bay, especially with how they look last week. You know, obviously it's again it's Aaron Rodgers. I he scares me anytime I see him on the field. But I'm confident that our offense is gonna putting some work against this defense and overall i i'm feeling good about going into this tough stretch and i i think we definitely come out of that packer game with a win
5: well jake
2: yeah so i am hoping for a fun one because last time i went last year i mean it was fun but i went to the redskins game so i'm hoping i'm not the the mush there 0-1 oh, at the Coliseum, but I was at the Giants game where they put up 52 or 51. But regardless, I think this game is going to be. I think this will start off pretty good. Um, you know, I I think the Packers, you know, will get off uh, to to a quick start on offense. I think they needed the buy even more than the Rams. I just, um, you know, they, they need to get healthy. Randall Cobb. Whether or not he plays, I mean, that'll be a factor. They have a lot of younger talents uh, with, you know, Marquez, Valdez, Scantling, Equinemius St. Brown, and Jamon Moore, all rookies. And then, you know, Geronimo Allison's also coming back from an injury. Whether or not he'll be able to play is uncertain. But, guys, I've watched the Packers all year. I've watched every game so far. And I'll tell you right now, Mike McCarthy holds that team back. Even with Aaron Rodgers, the play calling is questionable, to say the least. And we've seen the Rams go up against teams where they start off great, you know, doing one thing, and they just don't continue it. The Raiders game, Rams can't stop Marshawn Lynch or Doug Martin, so the Raiders decide to stop running the ball in a close game. Makes sense. Um, We've seen, well, today, in a close game, at one point, the 49ers stop running the ball with most dirt. And then they, they keep trying to, you know, force-feed Kittle, which, I mean, it, it worked, but not all that well. It kind of results in 39-10 to 10 loss. So, I look at this game, it's going to be fun, but I think the Rams are going to pull it out. I think it'll be close, but I also think, you know, at the same time, the Rams are... This this is going to look more like the the Raiders game. I think they're going to pull away at the end and then kind of make this, the, the scoreboard won't really indicate the game overall. I just, even with the bye guys, I don't think the Packers are quite the Packers that I thought they would be coming in the year. This is Aaron Rodgers' best defense he's played with since the Super Bowl. But now they're, they're dealing with injuries, and I still think that the play calling holds them back. You look at Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones averages over five yards carry every game. For some reason, he only gets seven carries. The Rams will probably give up chunk plays to Aaron Jones, and Mike McCarthy won't play him. So I think this is going to be a fun one. Two former California quarterbacks. But at the end of the day, I think the Rams are moving to 8-0. And, uh, you know, they they always play, even going back to the old Fisher days, they, they always play the Packers tough for some reason. So why are they not going to play him tough when they have Sean McVay and this uh, this undefeated squad. I definitely think the Rams are going to win this game.
5: All right, folks. So, hey, it's, it's it's getting that time for us to go ahead and get going here. We do want to ask if there's anybody out there who uh, would like to sponsor us. Give us an email us at ramstalk1945 at gmail.com. Leave us a voicemail on 657-666-5453. We do have a meeting. kit ready to get out to you. Trivia. We're behind on trivia. Going back to the Broncos game, we had a trivia question. Uh, what was the biggest margin of victory for the Rams? The Rams-Broncos series and what year did it take place? Fifteen points, two thousand fourteen. The Rams beat Denver twenty-two to seven. The question from this week, I have not got a right answer yet. For we did have someone send it in, but he's already won. So, and you know who you are—the guy who already won. We do want to send this out there again. Was the most sport the most points scored? by the Rams against the 49ers, and in what year did that take place? So send us your emails to ramstalk1945 at gmail.com. Jake, please give one last shout-out to the folks so no one get you.
2: Yeah, guys, so thank you so much for tuning in to our show. Um, we're, we've now d- done two shows together, Rams Talk. It's been a lot of fun. Um, you can follow us at, at DowntownRams. You can go to DowntownRams.com for... The podcast, articles, whatever you may be interested in. We have Facebook and we have Instagram. So pretty much all over social media landscape. And I'm Jake Ellenbogen. My personal Twitter, if you want to follow me, at dtr, And uh, you can find me on Facebook as well, Jake Ellenbogen.
5: All right. So, hey, check out his stuff, guys. He uh, He's actually really good with especially the college stuff, man. Always down there for the Senior Bowl, so on and so forth, so give him a follow. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at TalkRams and on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Rams Talk. We have the group, the Rams Talk Room. You can find me on Twitter at DC Apollo. You can find Steve. Where, Steve?
1: At Steve Ribeiro. And don't forget to check out Butting Heads this week if you haven't checked it out yet, which I hope you all have if you're listening to our feed.
5: Yes, please do. Uh, don't forget us on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, all those places. And I think, guys, that's a wrap. Rams hey, wait, win. Derek. Wait, one more? Yeah.
1: I got to shout out uh, Johnny here.
5: He oh. said on our
1: show that if the Rams went 7-0, and he would come back on Twitter. And he's backing up his statement. So give him a follow at, at johnny Six. That's Magic Johnny, my co-host on Butting Heads, who will not be on our podcast this week, but he'll be back next week.
5: You know what's kind of weird? I had no idea that he had been taking himself off. I've been tagging him for stuff for weeks. He did not even follow
1: me. Johnny, if you're listening, follow me. What, what, a, what a jerk.
5: All right. <laughs> so for Jake, for Steve, and myself, take it easy from Rams Talk. Rams win 39 to 10. Folks, that's right. They are 7-0. and